Hello and welcome to episode 94. It's another double edition of this regular look back at the games I've played recently. This instalment covers both March and April of 2023, when I reviewed two new games, one of them in early access, and revisited another batch of older releases. The new games cover both the sublime and the ridiculous. For the former, I got the chance to play the slender but stellar early access release of Supplice, the retro shooter made by Doom modding veterans. On the ridiculous front is Gun Jam, a bitterly disappointing and frankly unfinished rhythm shooter that adds nothing at all to that nascent subgenre. The older games covered this time are a varied lot. I replayed two of my personal favourites in the form of third-person action games Oni and Urban Chaos, I tackled the controversial but very well-made stealth strategy War Mongrels, and finished DSX Human Revolution for the third time. Possibly the highlight of these months, though, was playing the 2020 definitive editions of Gangster Sagas Mafia and Mafia 2. First up, Supplice, 2023, in early access. Developed by Mechworks and published by Hyperstrange. I can't tell you how happy I am that the boomer shooter renaissance has reached the heights that it has. Supplice has been on my radar for some time, as I played the demo back in October 2021, and it was on my most anticipated list for 2022. It's taken until now for the early access release, and it was worth the wait. A product of a team of Doom community veterans, Supplice looks set to join the top rank of retro-style shooters, up there with the likes of Dusk, Ion Fury, A Medieval, and Cultic. Clearly it has some way to go, but the 5-map early access episode is full of promise. Supplice is to some extent a kind of reimagining of the original Doom, being set on a colony under siege by bloodthirsty invaders. Unusually, it has a significant story element, which is delivered through text accessed via consoles scattered around the maps. Those maps are easily some of the most complex and ambitious that have ever been attempted in the Doom engine, and they are a remarkable achievement. Texture work, geometry and encounter design are all on point in Supplice's first episode, and the tremendous talent of the Mechworks team shines through. The game is possibly even more impressive for those who are familiar with mapping in the Doom engine, but even for those outside the community, this is shaping up to be something very special indeed. Gun Jam 2023, developed by Jaw Drop Games and published by Raw Fury. While it impressed with its demo some time ago, in its final form, Gun Jam is a desperately half-baked effort to replicate the success of recent rhythm shooters like Metal Hellsinger and BPM Bullets Per Minute. The shooting becomes boring almost immediately, the handling of custom songs is very poor, and the game shipped with just four boxy arena levels. I've said my piece about this deeply underwhelming game at Entertainium. Next... Oni from 2001, developed by Bungie West, published by Take-Two Interactive. Oni is a game that's very close to my heart. I first played it over 20 years ago, when I picked up a slim budget copy in a PC world for £10. At the time, there were also original big box versions available for three times as much, and in a way, I wish I'd bought one of those instead. It's one of the game-buying experiences I remember most vividly, alongside Populous the Beginning, Unreal Tournament, and return to Castle Wolfenstein. What made Oni so special on PC at the time was that it's essentially a single-player, story-driven fighting game. That kind of thing was extremely rare on the PC in 2001, and ironically, the PC version was far superior to the PlayStation 2 release, which was crudely ported by Rockstar. 
Oni is also notable as an anime-style game made in the West, influenced specifically by the cyberpunk setting of Ghost in the Shell. Today, those are ten a penny, but it was quite novel at the time. Oni was a flop on release, arguably due to long delays and poor marketing. It isn't a perfect game by any means, and the lack of multiplayer and the uninspired visuals did not help it. Bungie West's only game speaks to me though so strongly that even its evident flaws are part of its appeal to me now. Due to lingering rights issues it can't be bought today, but remarkably a small community has kept it playable via the impressive Anniversary Edition. After this most recent playthrough I try to capture what I think makes Oni so special in an article on my site. If you can seek it out I strongly recommend that you give this unique and under-recognised game a try. Urban Chaos from 1999, developed by Mucky Foot Productions, published by Eidos Interactive. Over the years, it's often been the case that just after I finish replaying Oni, I feel compelled to replay Urban Chaos, or vice versa. It makes sense, because the two games are similar in many ways. They're both third-person action games with women cop protagonists, both of them mix hand-to-hand combat with gunplay, and sadly, they were both notable commercial failures on release. My personal connection with Urban Chaos is just as strong as with Oni. Mucky Foot Productions were founded by Mike Diskett and Gary Carr, both of whom had worked for the iconic British developer Bullfrog. Like Bullfrog, they were based in Guildford in Surrey, very much the home of the British games industry. To me, Urban Chaos is Mucky Foot's magnum opus. It looks very rough around the edges these days, but it's one of the many games from that era which is bursting with ideas, full of inventiveness and ambition, which went unrewarded. It also has a good sense of humour, which was long the trademark of games made in the UK. Playing as rookie cop Darcy Stern, notably one of the very first fully-fledged black women protagonists in a game, the player confronts the Wildcats, a malevolent gang seeking to control Union City. The story takes some genuinely unusual directions, and the large city levels are surprisingly open and detailed. It makes sense that so many people now regard the game as a kind of precursor to Grand Theft Auto 3. Happily, Urban Chaos is available from GOG. I suggest you try to look past the dated visuals and somewhat awkward controls to see the great game underneath. War Mongrels from 2021, developed and published by Destructive Creations. If you know me, you'll know that I'm a huge fan of real-time stealth tactics games, or stealth strategy. For that reason, I just had to give War Mongrels a try, despite my misgivings. You should know going in that this entry in the subgenre was made by the controversial Polish studio Destructive Creations. Set mainly on the Eastern Front in the summer of 1944, it has a sometimes very dark story, which includes a mission set in Chelmno Extermination Camp, and it has fairly dubious politics. Let's leave it at that. War Mongrels is very heavily inspired by Shadow Tactics and Desperados 3, and adds relatively little that's really new to the genre. Having said that, it is a very well-made derivative of those games. The 12 missions are quite impressively varied, and the best ones are nearly as intricate as the ones designed by Mimi Me Games, the clear leaders in this genre. The number of usable characters is unusually large, seven, although no more than four are ever available in the same mission. Interestingly, you will be less reliant on familiar stealth strategy items, especially the man trap, than in some other games. Mafia Definitive Edition from 2020. The original version, developed by Illusion Softworks, 
this remaster done by Hangar 13 and published by 2K. Originally released in 2002, Mafia is one of the more memorable products of a fertile time for third-person action games. Steeped in a heady 1930s atmosphere, its gripping story cribs from movies like The Godfather, but is never overwhelmed by its cinematic influences. Cabbie-turned-gangster Tommy Angelo is a likeable lead, surrounded by believably flawed criminal associates, and carried through a plot punctuated by big scores, brutality, and betrayal. A few years ago, 2K decided to commission definitive editions of all three Mafia games, and in the case of the original, this demanded a ground-up remake. Hangar 13, developers of Mafia 3, did a wonderful job with modernising this crime classic. The corrupt city of Lost Heaven looks spectacular, and the hugely improved character models, modernised facial animation, and rewritten script make a great narrative even more powerful. This remake throws the tight, straightforward gameplay of Mafia into stark relief. The 20 missions vary significantly in length and style, incorporating a mix of driving, stealth, and gunplay. Lost Heaven isn't bloated by fetch quests and checklist gameplay, it's instead a living, breathing backdrop for the story. If you haven't experienced this gangster gem, then the definitive edition is the perfect way to become a made man. Mafia 2 Definitive Edition, also from 2020, developed by Hangar 13, the original version developed by 2K Czech, and published by 2K. It took a long eight years for Mafia 2 to materialise, by which time Illusion Softworks had been reshaped into 2K Czech, and Grand Theft Auto had taken over the world. If the developers felt pressured to copy Rockstar's Cash Cow, the sequel barely shows it. The structure is slightly less rigid, and there are stores and garages to visit, but these seem like only half-hearted efforts to amend the Mafia formula. Mafia 2 is set partly in 1945, and mostly in 1951, and again the period detail is on point. The protagonist this time around is Vito Scaletta, decorated war veteran and the kind of impressionable debt-ridden schnook who is easily drawn into the Mafia's embrace. Egged on by his oafish childhood friend Joe Barbaro, Vito becomes a pawn in the struggles between the Clemente, Falcone, and Vinci families in the city of Empire Bay, which is every bit as decadently corrupt as 30s Lost Heaven ever was. Mafia 2 takes longer than it should to really get going, but it eventually builds to a suitably bloody climax. Hangar 13 did a modest remaster pass for the Definitive Edition, which updates the textures and adds three mostly pointless DLC packs. Lastly, Deus Ex Human Revolution Director's Cut, from 2011, developed by Eidos Montreal, published by Square Enix. When Eidos Montreal were tasked with reinvigorating the revered but dormant Deus experience, they were taking on possibly the most noxiously poisoned chalice in gaming. Their trials, tribulations, and the frustratingly not-quite-brilliant end result were documented extensively in H. Bomberguy's three-and-a-half-hour examination, I can be much more efficient than him, as I'm about to demonstrate. I've now finished Human Revolution three times, and I still feel that Eidos Montreal did a surprisingly good job. For me, the open-world hub sections are the weakest part. These small and unconvincing locations are a thin setting for vapid side quests which involve too much tiresome backtracking. DXHR comes alive in its more focused segments, like the FEMA facility under the streets of Detroit or the secret base in Singapore. Stealth was quite crude in the original Deus Ex, but it's a real strength of HR, sneaking around these locations is always satisfying. Where Eidos Montreal really dropped the ball is with the ending. 
when our hero, augmented corporate cop Adam Jensen, reaches the Panchea facility in the Arctic, the game falls apart almost immediately. DXHR simply abandons its own gameplay loop and transforms into an incredibly lame zombie shooter, followed by an interminable boss fight and a choice of four woeful endings. At least I still have Mankind Divided to look forward to, which reportedly doesn't really end at all. That brings me to the end of this instalment. Next time I'll be continuing my Gangster Odyssey with Mafia 3 Definitive Edition and revisiting an arcane classic with Dishonored. I'll also be able to talk about the new retro shooter Warhammer 40,000 Bolt Gun and Miasma Chronicles, the new game by the developers of Mutant Year Zero. Thanks for listening to this episode. You can find more of my writing in text and audio form at my site andyjohnson.xyz. You can also find me on Twitter at andyjohnsonuk and you can support me at patreon.com slash andyjohnson. Catch you next time.